Welcome to episode 128 of the Autism Outreach Podcast. I'm your host, Rose Griffin, and I had a really amazing discussion today with Rita Soren. She is the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption Leader, and that is a national nonprofit public charity. Um, And she's been doing that work since 2001, but she is a wealth of information. For more than 30 years, Rita has worked on behalf of abused, neglected, and vulnerable children, providing leadership for local, state, and national efforts working to improve the juvenile justice and child welfare systems while striving to assure safe and permanent homes for North America's children. We talk about adoption in general, but we also talk about CJ's story. CJ is an autistic student, almost adult now, um, and he was adopted when he was nine years of age. And so we talk about his story because there are so many uh, students with autism, one in 36 now, and there are many that are up for adoption. There is a special section of the foundation called Wendy's Wonderful Kids, and they are helping those children who have a disability or who have a need that is specialized. And so it is really interesting to hear about that work and a very rigorous study that they've done, which they're hoping then um, soon in a couple of years to make sure that there are people in each state that are helping with Wendy's Wonderful Kids, which are really specialized in helping students who have special needs get adopted as well. And so this is a really amazing episode. And I cannot wait for you to learn more about the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption and CJ's story. You're listening to Autism Outreach Podcast a podcast full of ready-to-use strategies to help those with autism strengthen their communication skills. Here's your host, Rose Griffin of ABA Speech, a speech therapist and board-certified behavior analyst who shares tips you can use in your next therapy session. Thanks so much for joining us on episode 128 of the Autism Outreach Podcast. We have a great episode for you today. We have with us Rita Sornan. Thanks so much for joining us, Rita. It's great to have you on. I am so delighted to be here and chat with you. Thank you for having us. Yes, I'm delighted to hear um, really about you and your career path because you've really done so much um, over the course of your career and you're in such a a nice helping profession, which I think is very adjacent to what we do. A lot of our listeners are speech therapists and BCBAs and teachers and parents. Um, So can you tell us about you and and your career path? Sure, absolutely. I, you know, I started out um, in child abuse prevention um, early in my career, really looking at um, understanding and learning the dynamics of abuse and neglect and trying to understand how it is that families get into this cycle and children get into the child welfare system. So worked on a number of programs, created some programs uh, uh, in addressing how to keep children safe and families together, because quite honestly, our goal is to keep children with their family of origin, if at all possible. And sometimes it's issues of of poverty that create issues of neglect or issues of substance abuse. Sometimes there are those cases, of course, where it's extreme physical or sexual abuse. But um, uh, most of the time, 
the goal is to get these kids back to families. So I started out in child abuse prevention after um, uh, about a decade there was um, invited to apply to become the executive director of the court appointed special advocates program here in Columbus, Ohio, providing community volunteers to advocate for the best interest of children once they're now involved in the child in the child welfare system. And really then learned about that next phase of, of the child welfare system, what happens with kids involved in court proceedings and, and the involvement of of child welfare agencies and the involvement of the legal system in this process, because then it becomes very much a, a legal ish issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, after again nearly a decade there, um, uh, was again invited to apply for uh, the opening of a position at the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption, which is a national nonprofit public charity dedicated to children in foster care waiting to be adopted. Um, and it seemed I wasn't looking for this position, but it seemed like in a way, if I was able to um, to move into this position, a bit of a full circle opportunity from child abuse prevention. How do we keep kids out of the child welfare system to that intervention at the court appointed special advocate level? And now how do we make sure now that we've created by policy and practice legal orphans in this country, how do we assure them that safe, loving, permanent home that that we promised them the day that they were removed from their family of origin and permanently separated. So was was really um, honored to be able to serve in this position now for about 20 years and um, really look at how to grow these practices at a national level and um, generate and and give those resources to organizations that are doing very good work on, on behalf of children. That's amazing. And I, I love how you're helping so many people. And I, I, I think, you know, based on SLPs that are listening in, based on the school district that you're working in, I think this is more applicable for some than others. But I think for us as providers, it's just so important to know. You're like, as a aside, I was part of this group that was like kind of like a giving group here in my community. And one of the, and we would listen to these people and they would give speeches. And one of the organizations that we ended up voting to donate money to was this organization who would take children in who were um, displaced from their homes. And I didn't realize, because I just don't know much about this. That's why I think it's interesting to have you on that these kids will have nothing but a trash bag with all their belongings. And I was like, oh my God, that's terrible. So, you know, this, this organization was buying bags for them. And, you know, and if you're working in a district that is, um, you know, the past 10 years I worked in this district up here that was extremely affluent. Now I'm helping to serve some students in a charter school. It's just very different. Um, I think if you're not privy to that information and that's, you're not your life experience, you just don't know how many kids out there really need our help. So I'm excited um, to learn more about it. So can you tell us about the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption? Of course. Um, Again, the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption is a national nonprofit public charity and was founded by Dave Thomas, who, for folks that do remember who that is, was uh, the creator of the Wendy's company, the Square Hamburgers and Frosties. Um, But the reason he created the foundation, um, he was adopted. Uh, and although he was adopted as an infant, he spent a little bit of time in foster care. But his life story after that very much parallels our children in the foster care system. His adoptive mother passed away when he was very young. His father was a bit of an itinerant worker, so they moved from place to place to place. Many of our kids in foster care, as you know, with the trash bag scenario, are frequently moving from place to place to place. And in fact, he was raised 
very much by his grandmother, Minnie. And so he had a sensibility about children in foster care feeling maybe a bit disconnected, um, that loss that he experienced, um, both from the original loss um, of being an adopted infant, but then that loss of his adoptive mother as well. And so as he was nearing, you know, toward the end of his career as CEO of the Wendy's company, really wanted to put into place what was very predominant in the Wendy's system and still is that notion of giving back in communities. And so created us as a nonprofit public charity in order to focus on that very narrow piece of the adoption um, story, um, children in foster care who are waiting to be adopted. And because in 1992, when, when we were created, there was not a robust national conversation about who are these children? Why are they in care? Who are the families that surround them? What is the system? It seems challenging, but all we hear about is bad news, you know, about the foster care system. So really wanted to address all that through an organization that could both raise awareness about children waiting in foster care and then move that awareness into action and make sure that we can be a part of solving the problem of right now uh, in this country, 117,000 children children have been freed for adoption. They've been abused, neglected, or abandoned, and their, their case has gone through the system at such a level that the court finally and permanently severs parental rights from those children. Um, and then they are become legal orphans. And so how do we how do we make sure that those children have every opportunity for a safe, nurturing, and permanent home? Wow. Yeah, that's amazing work. I didn't know I'm here in Ohio too. And Rita <laughs> is is about two hours from me. I'm up here in Cleveland. Um, and it's fascinating to learn that about Dave Thomas. I didn't know that he was adopted and then yeah. had the loss of his adopted mother. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's just so much so much. And for him to persevere mm -hmm. and then to start this organization, really, which has been going for so long. That's really amazing. So um I, I can imagine just that having a child then with a disability is probably putting a whole other layer on. And, you know, sometimes on social media, that's where I share and disseminate information. You know, people say, you know, autism is a gift and things like that. But I think when you're thinking as a parent, because I have three kids, just parenting is very, very hard. And so if you are not somebody who understands autism, and I'm sure out of that 117,000, there are probably many and many kids who have whatever sort of disability that it just adds another layer of care to think about um, and placing that child in a home. And I know that there was a story that you're going to share with us about CJ's story. Um, and I was just wondering if you could share that with us, because I'm sure that you're really touching the lives of a lot of kids who also are autistic. We are. And and in fact, we really work on behalf of those children who are most at risk of leaving foster care without an adoptive family. About 20,000 children who have been freed for adoption every year turn 18 and leave foster care without a family. We've failed them in that process of finding them a family. And uh, so we work on behalf of those and we have a, a signature program called Wendy's Wonderful Kids that works specifically with those children who are most at risk of aging out of care. And that includes teenagers, children in sibling groups, and of course, children with special needs because frequently that's not who uh, a potential adoptive parent is thinking about when they're thinking about adopting um, uh, for a lot of reasons. And and But for the children we serve, about 77% of those children have at least one clinically identified 
special need, including autism. Mm-hmm. And what we see is great success when you when you recruit for families the right way and you give the kind of information that families need, then we see great success at making sure these children aren't ones that end up institutionalized or or in um you know in some kind of non-family care. And and CJ is one of those. Um he's a he's an amazing young man. Right now he's 20, but um when D the adoptive parent met him, he was just about eight years old. And at that point, he was nonverbal, had, he was not potty trained, and he had some big behaviors that were both uh, the result of his autism, but he had experienced such profound abuse, physical and sexual abuse as a, as a child in the foster care system, um, that you know, those behaviors were manifested as well as a result of that. So um, D initially came into the foster care system uh, looking for a sister for her older adopted child that she had before. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, they came to her and said, there's this incredible young man. He's eight years old. He has these bright blue eyes and brilliant red hair, uh, but he's a male. And I know you were looking for a sister, a female. And, but when she, as soon as she met him, she was just entranced by CJ, even with the issues that he had Mm -hmm. um, and realized he just wasn't getting the kind of appropriate support and care that he needed. In fact, while he was in foster care, he was essentially sat in the back of the classroom, wasn't getting any attention. So clearly wasn't addressing his developmental needs, um, the kind of, of um, support that he could he could have. So she adopted him at age nine on his birthday, brought him home, and through a series of years and just very specific events. And now uh, keep in mind that Dee had previously worked with children with disabilities. So she understood autism. She understood children with disabilities um, and so was able to very quickly get him the kinds of connections to resources, to education, um, to tactics that could help him grow and thrive. And and just a couple of examples, Um, uh, you know, while he was in school, um, teachers were saying, you know, he, he's never going to learn how to read because he can't learn how can't learn the alphabet. Mm-hmm. She learned um, that if he she gave him um, Cheez-Its with letters on them, <laughs> he learned his letters. As soon as he said the letter that was on a Cheez-It, he could eat it. And he learned his letters that way. So she had creative ways of going about helping him learn the kinds of skills that he needed. Long story short, he, he thrived under her care. He's now age 20. In high school, he was on the cross-country team. Mm-hmm. He found his voice through singing and and he and D in fact do duets did a duet in a in a musical um, that was put on so she found all of those skills in him and was able to to pull them out um he graduated from high school he's in college um he has a job uh, and so uh, it's wow. the story of you know a child that everyone else had given up on, even the foster care system. And I assume they were just thinking he would be institutionalized at one point. She found in him the light and was able to provide him a home uh, and, and the kinds of supports that he needed in order to grow and thrive into, into a, 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 you know, a, an adult that, that will be productive in this, in this community. Wow, that's amazing. And I just can't believe that that you're able to make that connection. I mean, that's very exciting because, you know, I worked with a child once who 
came from another country. He just didn't have any robust intervention. It was the same kind of thing. Like he had no, he could never talk. He wasn't toilet trained. He, you know, totally different. He had parents, but they didn't know how to provide that intervention. And sometimes that intervention doesn't even exist. I do a lot of consults with people that live in other countries. So they may have a speech therapist, but it's not, they don't understand autism and they don't understand how to reach people who may be hard to help. And so when I started working with him when he was in sixth grade, um, you know, he was able to start talking and he just was able to start talking on his own for the first time in sixth grade, which is not something you see often. And so I've done a lot of articles on him and presentations, but it's exciting to be able to share those stories because kind of like CJ, you know, if he never had that, wasn't touched by by D and wasn't able to be around somebody who was able to provide that for him, he would have you know, different outcomes. So and the patience that it took, this took years. Mm-hmm. And it's the kind of patience that an overwhelmed foster care system, unfortunately, doesn't have and not all foster care homes, temporary foster care homes, sometimes children are, you know, I know the system does as best as they can right. to match a child like CJ with a foster home that could care for his needs, but too often they're in crisis mode. And right. so it's just not working in a way that's to the child's benefit. And yeah. that's where I think where we're really proud of the program at the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption that really looks at how do we best by, by uh, funding uh, nonprofit organizations and for, uh, and public organizations across the nation um, to support full-time adoption professionals that that work this magic, that look for what's best for this child, where is the best possible family for this child, and that's how they they brought Dee and CJ together. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you mentioned this, I can't remember if it's called Wendy's Wonderful Kids. Did I say that correctly? Okay. Could you talk a little bit about that? And so is that just an arm of the organization that focuses on this? I would love to learn more about that. Yeah, absolutely. In addition to all the awareness activities that we do, this is a signature program of of the foundation. And we started it in 2004, really to address that issue of the 20,000 children aging out of foster care. We said, wait, it is the moral and legal responsibility of agencies to get these children adopted. Um, but but we're not able to do it for some reason. And we wanted to dig in and say, where could the foundation be value added to help with this? Um, and looked at what are the best practices for this group of children that are most at risk of aging out of care. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing at an evidence-based level that said, here's the practice that moves a 16-year-old into a a home, that moves an autistic child, that moves a sibling group of of six into into an adoptive home, because those are the kids that we needed to advocate for. Mm -hmm. So we actually created from existing some existing best practices, a model practice that really is just good social work. What it says is we will give a grant to organizations, large or small, public or private, Mm -hmm. to hire a full-time adoption professional. So we don't hire them, the agency does, but we manage the grant accountabilities. Mm-hmm. But they have to follow these tenants in the model, which is carry a smaller caseload of children, 12 to 15 maximum. Mm-hmm. That way you can develop a relationship with every child on your case. You get to know their journey through foster care. You can do a deep dive into to the child's case file. And by doing just those things at the onset, you begin to find potential adoptive families that potentially are already known to this child, um, extended family members that may not have known this child was available for adoption, former foster parents, people with skills like D that may have may have moved in and out of this child's life at some point, but didn't know that this child was available for adoption. And then they begin to work that magic of bringing those families together, but also prepare the child for adoption, prepare the parent for adoption, what resources 
will you need to adopt this sibling group of two or three? Um, where can you be connected if you have a special needs child? Do you know what resources are available in your community? And so the, the recruiter, the Wendy's Wonderful mm-hmm. Recruiter works with that. Um, and then sticks with the child until this child gets adopted. Um, and we found incredible success. In fact, we did a long-term rigorous randomized control trial evaluation from 2007 to 2011 to compare this work against whatever business as usual existed in the community in which um, these caseloads were held. And we found that children served by a Wendy's Wonderful Kids recruiter were up to three times more likely to be adopted. And children with particular special needs were more than three times more likely to be adopted because they're doing that kind of work that says, this is a human relationship um, endeavor, and we've got to find the right family for this child, and that's what they do. Since the the program has begun, we have uh, seen more than 13,000 permanent placements of children who would have otherwise aged out of care. And so we're really excited about that. And we develop public-private partnerships with states in order to take this program to scale mm-hmm. so that hopefully what by 2028, which is our end goal, mm-hmm. that this program will be scaled in all 50 states and every mm-hmm. child in that focus population, teenagers, sibling groups, special needs, Every child in that focused population waiting for an adoptive family will have a Wendy's Wonderful Kids recruiter advocating on their behalf. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. And how rigorous that study was. That's really, that's really amazing. Yeah, that's such a help. And you know, I mean, now, you know, I've been in the field 20 years. It used to be, I used to do presentations and say one in 242 kids have autism. And now it's one in 36. They right. just changed it a little while ago. It was oh. one in 44. Now yep. it's one in 36. So yeah. it's your neighbor, your cousin, it's, you know, it's everybody. So that's really amazing. That has to feel so rewarding to be able to, I know there's a lot of work to do. It sounds like you still <laughs> will always have a lot of work, right? Can never work yourself out of the position, but um, it sounds like you're doing um, just amazing work and it's exciting to uh, learn about it. I know that this is kind of adjacent to what we usually talk about with autism and communication, but I think that this touches so many of our lives that it's good to know um, and really cool to know about that specialized part um, of the foundation. So if people want to learn more about you or the foundation, um, where can they, where can they go? A couple of places, certainly um, our website, davethomasfoundation.org, has links to all kinds of materials, the Wendy's Wonderful Kids program, all the other awareness programs that we do. Um, also, if someone would like just a warm voice, if they're interested in learning more about foster care or adoption, we've got an 800 number that's during normal Eastern Standard Time business days, uh, business hours. It's 800-ASK-A-S-K-D-T-F-A, as in Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. And then we have a pretty robust presence on social media media, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, if they just look up at DTFA or Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption can get connected um, on social media as well. And we love those conversations with folks. We love raising awareness about this issue and we love engaging people. Not everyone can be a foster parent or an adoptive parent, but I think everyone can know more about um, our most vulnerable children and families and and step in either through their, their place of business or their place of worship or just their own family and community and find out ways to assist. Yeah, I love that because even though if it may not be something for you, just knowing about these things, you may, you never know when you're going to come into contact with somebody because speech therapists come into contact with a lot of people. Um, So you just never know when you're like, oh, well, did you know about do to do? You know, so, and the fact that this is going to be in all 50 states and you've been able to, you're working on scaling it is just amazing. Um, Well, thank you so much, Rita, for coming on. It was really nice to connect. 
Oh, of course, it was my pleasure. And, and we really appreciate your attention on this cause while you have so much else to work on as well. Thanks for listening to Autism Outreach. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode full of actionable strategies you can use in your therapy room. Write a review too. That would mean so much to me. I always love hearing from you. Have a specific topic that you want included on a future show? Reach out over on Instagram, ABA Speech by Rose, or visit me at www.abaspeech.org.